Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Supercoach Wise, this week we've been going through the 2022 team picker that became available. We've been going position by position and just giving our live reaction to every single player on the list that we think could be relevant in classic or in draft. More so draft, but if there are obvious classic ones that stand out to me, I will mention it. Or guys that I think could fly under the radar with some of the other creators. So far we've done three of these episodes. We did hooker and front row forwards. We combined those two. Two RFs, they were some big dogs, so we did them on their own, a heap of guys to go through there. And then halfback 5'8", we did them as a combo because, of course, so many uh, jewels in there that are both halfback and 5'8". So we were planning on doing CTWs and fullbacks today. Had a quick snooze through the fullback list, and uh, it's about 60 names. Then went to the CTW, and it's about 160 names. And personally, I don't have a spare six hours to go through both of these combined. So we're going to split them up into two weps. We're going to go through the CTWs today, and then fullbacks will probably be coming tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. But CTWs, there is a lot of CTWs slash fullback. So these will overlap a little bit, but I'll sort of mention that on both of these episodes. But the CTWs for 2022, a key position, especially in draft competitions, in my comp, this is the position that you need the most guys for, yeah? We need to pick four CTWs in my draft competition, which means that you need at least, at least one CTW on your pine to cover you during the regular season. This is normally the position at the back end of a draft competition that I let slide. If I've got a halfback... If I've got both a halfback and a hooker that I can rely on, I'll let a CTW slide. But I think you've got to start to adapt that thinking a little bit because CTWs are just so valuable uh, in the modern game now and there are so many points being scored in these good teams. So you probably need uh, to rethink that strategy a little bit. I guess we'll know at the end of the season what was the way to go. We are also expecting there to be some rule changes this year as far as Supercoach goes. Point scoring rule changes, that is. So that could, if, if it's going to have a dramatic effect on anyone, I would suggest 
interested will be on the CTWs because I think it'll be centered around uh, your tries, your line breaks, your line break assist, etc., etc., tackle breaks. So I think your CTWs, they will be the group that will probably suffer the most. So as we get closer to Supercoach, you'll see those new rules. You'll have to adjust uh, as the rules go then. But let's dive into our CTWs. And this year, unbelievable. The most expensive CTW is Ruben Garrick. Now, crazy to think Ruben Garrick is the most expensive guy when you look back at his last few years. Just unbelievable. Uh, I, I think when Tom Trevojevic was out, he was like a 30 to 40 point winger. Uh, he's finished 2021 with an average of 87.5. Most points scored in a season. Just incredible from Ruben Garrick. So another guy that draft competitions with an 87.5 average. Jesus, I mean, is he a round one pick? I, I don't know. In a deep league, he might be, to be honest with you. He's a guy that I won't go round one because he is only CTW. If he's your captain, you are solely relying on a winger scoring tries each and every week. Uh, this manly side is fantastic. You'd have to have a look at their draw, but yeah, Ruben Garrick, it's a bit of a punt for me as far as draft goes. You're going to have to go in pretty early. Someone's going to get desperate and go in and just rely on him. Uh, whatever you do, whatever happens in your competition, I would say it's near impossible, depending on how, how deep your leg is, but don't let someone get Tom Javojevic and Ruben Garrick or that competition is pretty much over. If you need to stop someone that's got turbo getting Garrick, then maybe take him. Don't let that person double up on these two, but you'd have to be in a pretty small draft comp to be in that situation, you'd have to think. So Ruben Garrick, classic. I think he's too expensive. Draft, I just don't trust investing this much into a CTW who, without Tom Javojevic, really struggles. Uh, and just CTWs in general, you don't want them being your main guys. If you're going to have one CTW, was your main guy. I prefer this guy, Brian To'o from the Penrith Panthers. Averaged three less points last year than Ruben Garrick, but the base stats in this guy are sensational. He cannot score a try and score 55 points. So he's the sort of caliber winger that you want. Absolutely love this guy. He is only CTW, same as Ruben Garrick. It'd be unreal if these guys were dual, but you just can't see them getting a dual anywhere else. Ruben Garrick, he's played a little bit of fullback last year when Turbo was out occasionally from memory, uh, but not enough to grab the fullback role. So these two just center wings two absolute guns. For me, I think Brian Tyo is probably a round one guy. I think he'll do well enough in base, and I think his team is good enough uh, for him to score huge points. So 84 average last year, and I would argue that's, that could be a little bit conservative, to be honest with you. Our next guy, really interesting one, Adam Dewey. Now, he's our first dual CTW. CTW slash 5A, which is massive. It really doesn't get much better than that. Maybe CTW slash halfback would be better, but CTW slash 5A is unreal. Now, this guy's going to miss the start of the season, but when he does come back, uh, he will do great things for the Tigers. I, I would assume he's going to play 5-8, but they've now got Jackson Hastings there. If Dewey comes back and he slides in the centers, that's a bit of a kick in the dick. I think he'll still do well, but you definitely want this guy at 5-8. And if you draft him early, I mean, if you draft him in accordance of a 77 average and he ends up playing right center for the West Tigers, uh, you're in a bit of curry there. So just be careful with Dewey. Um, obviously, with in, in a classic team, it's a big difference being CTW slash 5-8. But if he comes back at center, for the Tigers. That's a little bit of a red flag with me, to be honest with you. Our next one, number four, Alex Johnson, dual position, fullback slash center wing. We're going to get a few of these guys. Love AJ. Just not sure how South Sydney are going to line up this year. Obviously, their entire game plan last year was sort of get to the left upright, then swing down that left side with Cody Walker or Latrell normally landing the last pass to AJ. If it wasn't for his injury, he probably scores 35 tries last year. It was an incredible season from him. Average 72.8. Now, that is a great average. Do not get me wrong. That is sensational. Not many guys are capable of doing that. 
But that's the reality of it. Not many guys are capable of doing it. Alex Johnson is one of them. Will South Sydney be the same team without halfback next year? I'm not too sure, and it's sort of a punt that I'm not willing to take, to be honest with you. Does it change Cody Walker's game? I'm not sure. Uh, He played 22 games last year. He scored 30 tries. Now, considering he scored 30 tries, um, he had 39 line breaks. To only have an average of 72 in the modern game, modern supercoach, I've got to tell you, it probably is a little bit underwhelming. I mean, 30 tries, 39 lie breaks, it is unbelievable. But I would probably expect him to be a little bit higher than a 72 average. I think he regresses this year. I think he could still score 20 tries and finish with a 60 average, realistically. So just be aware with AJ, I don't think you'll get the 70-point average again, and I don't think he'll, he could possibly have a better season than what he did last year, same as South Sydney. In saying that, I think there's enough really shitty teams in this competition for AJ to go big against those sides. So check South Sydney's draw. Have a look at where they are. I don't mind AJ, but for me, I couldn't go him in classic. No way. He's too expensive and I think he goes down. Draft, decent to have a fullback slash CTW, but I'm just a bit worried about how South Sydney's going to go and how that impacts him because everything AJ does comes down to the guys inside him. He's a great winger, but he isn't a semi-Rod Raja where you can just throw him in the ball and he will create something out of nothing. Yeah, if he's got three bodies in front of him, he won't barnstorm over them. He needs to be given a little bit of space in that comes from the inside. And next one is Dane Gagai, CTW for the Newcastle Knights. You would have to assume he's going to be on the right side. Classic won't even look at him. Draft, I don't mind him, uh, but going from South Sydney, the best super coach team in the NRL to the Newcastle Knights without Mitchell Pearce, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I just can't dive into this. If it was on the left side, maybe you could convince me he's a get-on, but on the right side, when you, our, their only player, their their main player, their best player, Kalen Ponga, tends to play his best footy down the left. Dango, he's a leave for me. Let someone else make that mistake realistically. Josh Mansour, same situation, 570K, not relevant in Classic. Where's he going to end up in South Sydney side? He won't be on the left side. I'm not sure if he ends up on the right side. I can't see him getting into this team at all. A guy, though, that you could stash on your bench. If they have one in- injury in this back line, you would have to assume that Joshy Mansour comes in, and all of a sudden, you've got yourself probably a 55-point winger with huge upside to score tries whenever. So, a good little stash there, Josh Mansour, late, but do not go him too early. If someone else goes him early, so be it. Let them have him. It's probably going to be a headache with a little bit of upside, but you're going to need injury suspensions, etc., etc. Uh, Val Holmes comes in at number 7 at 559k. Fullback slash center wing, always valuable. For me, I'm sort of putting a blanket rule across all of my teams this year that I'm avoiding Cowboys and Knights players. Unless it's classic and the value is unbelievable, uh, I'll be avoiding these guys. So Val Holmes, it's a miss from me. Jordan Rapana, CTW slash fullback from the Canberra Raiders with a 63 average. I relieve when he was playing fullback last year, he did really well. I don't think he'll play much of fullback this year, realistically. They're going to need more and more injuries once again. So Jordan Rapana, I don't mind him, but... I think he gets a little bit overvalued based off what he did a few years ago with uh, Joey Leilua. You look at his scores when he played fullback last year, 97, 81, 63, 44, 37, 124. So only two scores out of, what is that, seven that went under 50. Uh, he went over 83 times. So he really got a lot of points when he was playing uh, at fullback there. Picked up a lot of extra base stats there as well. He went, what did he go, base stats, 38, 36, 34, 32, 31, 41. Uh, his season average for base stats was 20. 
29. So the games at fullback have definitely lifted that up. He he is more than capable of an extremely quiet game when it comes to base when he's on the wings. couple of games here where he went 11, 19, 22, 21, 25. So he can be very disappointing if he's not scoring tries. So just be aware with Jordan Rapana. Uh, you know, there's a stretch here where he goes 23, 33, 48, 57. So four weeks where he only goes above 50 once. A little bit disappointing, realistically. So I like Jordan Rapana. I think he's a great player, but he's probably a little bit of, a, of an avoid for me. I think someone will go him a little bit too high thinking that he's a captain option. Uh, some weeks for me, he's probably not. He scored one. He scored 200s all year. He had another 97, to be fair. So let's say he scored 300s last year, which is good. Uh, but I just don't trust him, to be honest honest with you. I'm not sure what the Canberra Raiders are going to look like, what their makeup's going to be, etc, etc. So, he's one that I'll be letting someone else go for, but that's nothing against Jordan Rapana if you're keen on him. This is the whole thing with CTWs, and I'll mention this more and more as we go on. If you've got a vibe that you want to back these guys in, you've got a gut feel they're going to go well, back your gut in 100%. Jesse Ramian from the Cronulla Sharks coming in at 552k. Worries me that SJ is not going to be there. Jesse Ramian is a huge base guy. I've been a huge fan of him for a long time, to be honest with you. Probably thought Ramian was going to be a little bit better than what he is right now. Uh, I was very keen on him when he left the Sharks to go to the Knights. Really underperformed there. His base stats are incredible. He, he averaged 33 base stats last year. In his last few games, he went 42, 49, 33, 37. So the base work is there. He, he can have a quiet game base-wise, but a quiet game for him is, you know, 23, 24, which is still pretty damn solid if that's your if that's your basement for base. Uh, that's pretty handy. So a guy that can break a heap of tackles too. He's really suited to super coach. You have a look at his season last year. He only scored, what is it, five tries? One, two, three, four. And he scored five tries. So you would hope he scores more than that. But once again, the ball playing at the Cronulla Sharks, who's going to play halfback? Who's going to play 5'8"? I'm not overly convinced on. I sort of think their strong side might be the left edge with Nico Hines playing out there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I like Jesse Raymond. I think you get good value there. Uh, he could be a premier center, but I'm just not totally convinced. I think you for where you're going to have to draft him. I think you can probably get better value a little bit further down the track. Matt Ikevalu is the next one. You would have to assume he'll be in this back line somewhere where it is. I'm not sure. He might miss it, to be honest with you. I, I'd like to think he will be there, but they've got some really handy wingers there. Classic. He's obviously unbelievably overpriced for a guy that's going to be battling for a spot in the Shark side. Won't score as many tries as he did at the Roosters. Will not have a 62 average like he did last year. I would say that drops to about 50 or so. Uh, he's always been a really solid player at Cavallo, but good God, when he was playing for the Roosters last year, he had some of the greatest real estate in rugby league. Came out with a 62, which is pretty good. Scored a heap of tries, uh, but when he doesn't score a try, it's 23, it's 31. 31 again, 23. So you need him to be scoring tries consistently or he will struggle. He scored a 17 against Penrith. Uh, there's a couple of games there where playing for the Roosters in the best spot. I mean, he scored three tries against the Eels. He went 111. So 111 is great, but when you score three tries, you probably want a little bit more realistically in the modern game. So Ikevalu, he's a leave for me. Let someone else get sucked into that high average that doesn't understand he's leaving the Roosters going to the Cronulla Sharks. Next guy is Joey Manu coming in at center wing slash fullback with a 61 point average. Joey Manu, an absolute freak. This is the guy that was setting 
setting up Ikevalu for a lot of his tries last year. Absolutely love this guy. I've never been overly keen on him in Supercoach because, I don't know, the consistency is not always there. Last year was his best year before, uh, for sure. He went over 60 points 48% of the time, which is pretty massive. That's pretty good to go over 60, 50% of the time. That's pretty handy with the upside that he has as well. Huge. I mean, you have a look in the first, what, 11 weeks. He only scored one try last year. So you could argue he's got a lot more in him realistically. Back end of the season, he scored a few more. I think in the last, what, from round 17 to round 24, he scored one, two, three, four, five, six tries. Uh, in those games, he went above 80 in all of them. Some of those games, he was playing on the wing where he definitely got more base stats than usual. When he was sort of playing wing or fullback, you're looking at probably 40 to 45 base stats. That's a game when he's playing center. Uh, it drops a little bit to probably around the 30 mark, even a little bit lower at times. Yeah, so Joey Manu sort of depends where he plays, sort of depends on the license they allow him to play with as well. With all these guys back, he might go back to a more traditional sort of center spot. I'm not sure how Trent Robinson's going to use him, but state of origin, everything, if you get an injury at fullback and he jumps in there, he could be absolute gold at the same time. And it's never a bad thing to have a dual position guy. So personally... I think Joey Manu goes down a little bit. I think he's probably a 55 to, yeah, probably about a 55 CTW, but he has the fullback as well, so that definitely helps. And he's a guy that if you just give him the ball early, he can just create something out of nothing. Josh Adokar from the Canterbury Bulldogs coming in at 530K, 61 average. I'm prepared to say this goes down to 50, uh, if not a little bit less, to be honest with you. Love Fox, love what he does, but he is a guy that needs to score tries to score well in Supercoach. I've had him a couple of times. I had him the first year he burst onto the scene at the West Tigers. I had him the first year at the Melbourne Storm. He did sensationally well, but if he's not scoring tries, he's in a bit of trouble. Let's have a look at the first, you know, five games of the season last year. First game didn't score a try got 33 second game didn't score a try got 41 uh third game didn't i uh, did score a try only got 40 uh so this is the sort of guy you're looking at he needs to score tries to do well uh in round 16 against the roosters he scored three tries he scored 80 now i just said ikavalu scoring three tries and scoring 111 was a little bit disappointing 80 is terrible considering you score three tries he's done it a few times here where he scores one or two tries and he only gets 50 or 60 odds so he does have games against the gold coast times he scored two but he had a heap of attacking stats went for 136 so he does have this ceiling but considering he is arguably the fastest winger in rugby league in the best team in rugby league during the Supercoach season, and he only scored one, two, three, four hundreds. A little bit disappointing. That did include 178 against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, which was unbelievable. I think that was a five-try game for him. Uh, so he has got huge upside. But going to Canterbury, they're not going to score as many points. So I think you can knock off a few tries there. Just having a look, he must have scored 12 or 13 tries here. I would say that goes down to probably seven or eight tries. Uh, it could even go down a little bit more realistically. We're not too sure. But yeah, I, I think it goes down. I don't think there's any way that. Josh Adokar possibly goes up from here. His base stats, 20 base stats a game. So you can't really rely on him unless he's scoring tries and you don't know what this Canterbury side is going to look like. So I think he will regress a little bit. I think he becomes a 50 to 55 uh, sort of CTW. Still not bad. But if you have to rely on Canterbury's left winger to score tries every week, uh, you're in a bit of hot curry there. So Fox, for me this year, he's a leave. I won't be going near him. A guy I will be very keen on is Daniel Tupu, 518K. I still think that's unders, 59 average. Now, people will tell me that 
the young Sam Walker coming along was the best thing that happened to Daniel Tupu with these long balls. And yes, it was good for him on a couple of occasions. I think Tupu scored three or four tries off the end of it. Um, three or four tries, though, that, that that's it. He wasn't scoring a try off these passes each and every week. I think with Luke Keary back, it is fantastic for Daniel Tupu. He came into the season without a really established kicking game once Luke Keary went. Sam Walker very rarely kicked. Uh, you had young Hutchinson. He was handy, but he was a left-foot kicker, so not overly suited to hitting Daniel Tupu on the left wing. You want a right foot kinger hitting out to his, his side traditionally. So I think getting Luke Keary back will be sensational. I would say he score. I, I guarantee you that Daniel Tupu will score more tries in 2022 off the foot of Luke Keary than he will off the pass of Sam Walker. I will promise you that. Uh, so Daniel Tupu, I'm a big fan. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think he becomes a 65 to 70 point CTW for the Roosters next year. Brian Kelly from the Gold Coast Times. I've been a big fan of him for a long time. Average 58. I still don't think we're seeing anywhere near the best of him. For years, he's had a really good base stat game, Brian Kelly, and I've got a feeling, I didn't have him in anything last year, but I've got a feeling off the top of my head that he might have dropped off a touch. So what did he average last year? He averaged 30 in base stats, still pretty good, but he had some games where he was definitely under 30, a heap of games where he was under 30, some where he's in the low 20s as well. Didn't score as many tries last year. I think he got a couple of doubles in the back end of the season that sort of saved him, but in the first... I don't know, what is it, 14 weeks? I think he scored four tries. So, I mean, there's still games where he doesn't score a try and he still scores 60-odd. He normally has a hand in something somewhere, but the games where he doesn't have a hand in anything, which could be the reality for the Gold Coast this year. They're a team without much underbelly. They've lost a lot of experience. I'm a little bit worried about them. Some games where he didn't really have any attacking stats, I mean, he's going 27, 25, 21. So, you need to be aware of that with BK. He's a guy I've liked for a long time, but I think I'll let someone else take a gamble on him. Tessie News, center wing slash fullback for the Brisbane Broncos. You love to have that dual position as we've spoken about a little bit. 511k. Decent little value there. Uh, I don't think many people I, I think he's probably too expensive to go in your classic teams though. Draft teams though, I like Tessie New. I think he's an interesting little prospect. Uh, he doesn't have a great passing game. Uh, he tends to be a run first for the sort of guy which we love for super coach. Uh, he's also got Adam Reynolds walking into this system that I think it'll be really, really good for him. It'll create a lot of space for him. So a lot of ups side for Tessie New. Uh, high base stat average of about 27, 27 to 30 around that mark. When he played center at the start of the year, it was a little bit lower. Once he stepped into fullback, you're looking at about 30 just about every week. In fact, I'm just looking through some numbers here. From round 18 to round 24, he went 29, 29, 30, 21, 30, 30, 27. So outside of that 121 game, those eight weeks in a row, he went for 30 points just about each and every week. So not about bad bank to have. He finished with a 58 average in a Broncos team that wasn't going overly well. Dare I say they improved once he got into the side as well. So plenty upside. Finished the season with 52, 85, and 99. Granted against the Warriors, the Cronulla Sharks, and the Newcastle Knights. But in my opinion, there's going to be a lot of teams that are worse than the Broncos this year. So Tessie New, plenty of upside there. I don't mind him. The dual position is definitely a big thing for me as well. Let's have a look at our next guy. Who have we got? Greg Marshew, big fan of him for a long time. Love the base stats that he puts out on the Gold Coast. Same as the guy next to him as well, Corey Thompson. Corey Thompson, obviously, with center wing fullback. So that puts him slightly above Marshew. I love the way that Marshew plays, but I also don't think he's got halves or centers that know how to properly bring him into the game. 
Titans, I, I'm a little bit cautious of getting too many of these guys, to be honest with you, because I'm not sure how this season's going to play out. So I'm a bit iffy on them. I might let someone else take that punt. I do like Marshu, though. I picked him up in Classic last year when no one else really was. And, geez, he came close to scoring a couple of tries in the back end, but always just fell short. Still scored well. Back end of the season went 68, 58, 45, 27, 73. A couple of games there where he could have scored one or two tries if guys passed him the ball. But that's the sort of guy you're looking at. He's got three tries in the last five games uh, and he had a five-game average of 54. So decent without being fantastic. The low games can let him down. He's still, you know, he, he scored 37 in base against the Dragons in round 19 and scored a try and only got 68. So can be a little bit disappointing as well, Marcio. Maybe he's been a little bit overhyped. Maybe I'm guilty of that as well, realistically. Sione Katoa at the Cronulla Sharks. Like him, don't love him. Without Sean Johnson there, not quite sure how the Sharkies' backs are going to go. Another one like the Titans, I'm a little bit iffy on. Jack Bird is CTW slash 2RF. If you get a vibe that Jack Bird is going to be playing in the second row or at 13, massive. You need to be all over Jack Bird. Outside of that, if he's playing in the CTWs, I think you're going to get a 50 to 55 guy. Uh, he's going to get 31 week. He'll get 80 the next week and that'll sort of be your roller coaster don't expect him to go straight 80s for more than three or four weeks but anticipate that you might get straight 30s for three or four weeks as well that's the sort of footballer jack bird is realistically when it comes to super coach couple of dragons in a row here ravalawa lomax lomax the pick of the bunch for me there he will he will be goalkeeping for the st george illawarra dragons starting to get some exciting players into this team as far as all the young guys go lomax is getting a little bit older he's gonna have to start to take a bit more responsibility in this team you really need ben Hunt to stay fit and Jack DeBellin to stay fit to move the ball around to give a guy like Zach Lomax space. Don't mind him for a bit of value, to be honest with you, though, especially with the goal kicking. And he's got that sort of brilliance where he can just throw him the ball and see what happens. Rumors circulating for a long time that he could be leaving the Dragons. I don't think he finishes his career, though, but whether he leaves anytime soon remains to be seen. Came back for the last four games of the season last year. He went 50, 67, 95, and 75. Didn't score a try in those games. Actually, I think he scored one in the last game. But outside of that, it's pretty impressive. Uh, finished with a three-round average of 79, a five-round average of 58. But his the game before those four that I mentioned, he got injured. And that includes a game of only five points in 18 minutes. So to finish on, with 58 to finish the season, a team that was going like a busted, pretty impressive. So one to keep an eye on there. When he played the full 80 minutes... Just having a look here, he's only got one game under 40 from about 12 games. So, Zach Lomax, he's one that I like. Ravalawa, handy. Don't really trust him, to be honest with you. I think he could lose his spot at any point in this team. Defensively, there are a number of issues. Uh, still average 57, which was good. Uh, when he doesn't score tries, though, you're in a little bit of curry. Just having a look at some games where he didn't score tries. You're looking at 30, 27. 23, 27. But when he does score tries, he goes massive. If you have a look at the last three games of the season, he scored a try in each of them. He went 83, 63, 90, 62. Pretty handy. Are the Dragons going to allow Ravalawa to score every week? I don't believe so. But he is a guy with a little bit of upside. Not one that I'll be gambling. I'll, I'll let someone else go after him. Campbell Graham, a guy that I absolutely love from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I thought he might be a chance to land on the left wing. A lot of South Sydney fans told me no way he'll be on the right. It looks like they're spot on. Looks like he will be on the right edge. So for me... I like Campbell Graham. He played on the right edge last year in the best super coach team and finished with, you know, a 55 average. So it's not 
not really knocking down the door, really. So he's got good base, 34 base stats on average every week. Can quite easily go 40-plus base stats as well. He's done that on a number of occasions this year. But, yeah, look, he's a solid player, Campbell Graham. Don't get me wrong, but I worry about what that right edge is going to look like. You've got Jaden Sewell leaving. You've got Adam Reynolds leaving. It's going to look completely different. Uh, I'm just a little bit iffy on how they shape up. So for me, as much as I love Campbell Graham, another one that I will probably let slide. I'll let someone else take a bit of a punt on him. But really good base stat guy to have in your side. Jermaine Asako, center wing slash fullback. Now, I don't think he'll be in the Broncos 17. If he is going to be somewhere, he'll be outside. Katoni Staggs, if he lands that spot, that is absolute gold. But it looks like Kevy went pretty heavily off Jermaine Asako last year. I don't think he's got much hope of landing in the fullback jersey. I think CTW is going to be tough. From having a look at some of the Brisbane Broncos training tapes that I've seen, it looks like Corey Oates is over on the left, and it looks like uh, the young fella is outside of Tony Staggs on the right, Selwyn Cobbo. So it doesn't look like there's a spot for Osako at the moment. Someone will draft him if they don't, and he's on the waiver wire. And you've got a spare spot. This is a guy that you should probably just pick up and drop every week, wait for the Broncos game if there's an injury. You could be looking at absolute gold because he does score well, Jermaine Osako. And if he especially lands outside of Katoni Staggs, that is really where you want him. I had Jermaine Asako last year, and he has his high games, had his low games as well. I don't think he's a fullback. I think he's a winger, realistically. Uh, but he can find the trial line. He can beat a couple of guys with his elusive steps. So a little smoky to keep an eye on, but definitely not a guy to start with, unless you're in a deep league and you can chuck him on the pine. Justin Olam for the Melbourne Storm. A little bit excited about Olam. 55 average last year. He was sensational. Arguably the best center in rugby league last year. I thought he was great. A little bit disappointing that he played so well. Only got 55. The thing that does excite me about Olam, I guess, is that Cam Munster looks so fit right now and he will be the ball player inside of him. It's never a bad thing to have a CTW from the Melbourne Storm, especially a guy like Olam. He played just about every game last year. He missed one game last year. Uh, his lowest scores, just having a look at it. I mean, his lowest scores is he has one score of 17. Then the next lowest is about 36. So pretty handy for a CTW. Uh, didn't only scored 100 all year. He scored two tries against the Newcastle Knights, went 124. But other than that, you can sort of bank on him just about every week to go, you know, 45 to 75. That's about where he sits somewhere in there. If he scores a try, you're looking at 75, 80 around that mark. And in that Melbourne Storm team, they're going to beat up on a lot of sides. And if Cam Munster goes to a new level, really could be anything for you as a Justin O'Lam owner. Micah Sivo is the next one. A little bit worried about Sivo if he makes it into this team. I was talking to a Parramatta fan the other day about this. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit iffy on him. I still think he'll be in this side, but he just doesn't look like the same footballer he was a couple of years ago when I was very high on him. So Sivo is another one that I'll probably let side and let someone else take a punt on him. Next one's Paul Momorowski from the Sydney Roosters. Now, I'm not sure where he's going to play, but if he is in this side, I was thinking about the other day, he might be the goal kicker in this team. Uh, you've got Takiaho, you've got Sam Walker. I don't know if Sam Walker's going to be in the team every single week. I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of has a few spells or comes off the bench here and there. Takiaho, he's not on the field all the time, so it might just be easier to give it to Momorowski. If he manages to land on the right wing for the Sydney Roosters and he's goal kicking, he could be the CTW of the year just quietly. As much as I'm not a huge Momorowski fan, but he has performed unbelievably 
unbelievably well in the last few months at the Penrith Panthers. And in the final series, he was great as well. So egg all over my face there. But Momorowski's got huge potential. One to keep an eye on, one to watch in trials, see who's goal kicking, see what position he's playing. He could line up at left center. He could line up on the right winger. He could be out of the squad altogether, out of the 17 anyway. So one to keep an eye on. The next guy, he's a big dog. Ewan Aiken, CTW slash 2RF. We are hearing he will play in the second row for the New Zealand Warriors. 55 average uh, last year. But when he was playing in the second row, it was an 80-point average. So a heap of money to be made there. I think he's an absolute must in every single classic side. And I think every draft team should have their eyes on you and Aiken. Uh, a couple of guys here. Ken Mamalo, not overly keen on him at the Tigers. Wasn't overly impressed. Morgan Harper, uh, good without being sensational. Uh, I think it's his spot to lose now. So he will always be scoring points. He'll always be doing well. Base stats were pretty good the year before. I actually drafted him last year. was very excited about him. Then got a little bit impatient and dropped him. And that really came back to bite me in the ass there. Base stats, 31 base stats a game in a team that scores a heap of points on a good edge. Uh, you could do much worse. In the first, what is it, 10 weeks? Uh, he didn't score. He scored one try the entire time. Even games without a try, there's some games he still put up 48, 52, 76, 56, 56, 48. So those numbers are pretty goddamn solid without tries. And you would have to think that he's going to score a couple of tries in this manly side. But he does score a couple of tries. I think he scored three against the Tigers. He went for 141. So pretty impressive. Scored a try the week after and went for 86 as well with 37 base. So he works hard. He's in a team that scores points. He's in a team with arguably the best player in the competition, the best super coach player anyway. So decent little get there. Georgie Jennings for the Melbourne Storm. If he's in this side, really solid. I like George Jennings. People will bag him. He will slide down. He's a good base stat guy. He's in a good spot in this Melbourne Storm team. Not sure if he's in it or not. Depends what how they want to use Remus Smith. If they use Remus Smith as a centre, uh, I assume George Jennings will stay in this side. If they want to use him as a winger and play someone else at centre, could be anything there. Not sure how it lines up. If George Jennings is going to be in the team, though, uh, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. David Nofaluma dropped down a little bit this year. Dropped down to a 53 average for me. If it's not going to be Adam Dewey at 5'8", I'm a little bit worried about Knopf. He's probably a miss for me. Uh, his season went from 76 to 53 last year, so a massive, massive fall from grace. To be fair, didn't score a try in the last five weeks. Also didn't go over 42 points in the last five weeks. So the whole base stat monster thing is kind of out the window for me. In the last five weeks, his base stats read 19, 28, 14, 26, 24. 28 was his highest base stats in the last five weeks. In fact, 28 was his highest base stats in the last eight weeks. In fact, it goes back even further than that, realistically. The last time he got more than 28 base stats was in round 12 when he got 31. He only went over 30 on four occasions the entire season when it comes to base stats. For me, I would have assumed last year that just about every game would have been over 30. So there has been a drop-off there for Knopf. Whether that's something in the coaching and the way they're playing, the way that he's playing, I'm not sure. But I think he's dropped down quite a bit. Someone will take a punt on Nofaluma, hoping that he brings back that upside. Let them do it. Let them make that mistake. Our next one is Dallin Matendis Lesniak. Now, we actually spoke about DWZ with the rubdown boys the other day. I find him really interesting. Right wing outside of Sean Johnson. Traditionally has been sensational real estate. CTW slash fullback is... Is he a premier fullback? No, but you can play him at fullback. You can plug a hole if you need to. Uh, he will score you 40, 45 points a week if he doesn't score a try. If he does get a meaty, which he'll score a heap in this Warriors team on that right edge, you're looking at a 70-point game. So DWZ, one that I really like this year. We'll go into more detail on him with the Rubdown Boys over the next few days, though. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Tyrone Peach is the next man, CTW slash 2RF. He's a miss for me this year, Peach. Even if he plays 13, I don't think it'll be for more than 50 minutes, realistically. I think there's too many mouths to feed, so I'm letting him go. Matty guy for the Dragons. Like this guy, 52 average last year from eight games. Looks really solid to me. Uh, if he's your third or fourth CTW, I think you've done pretty well there. Kyle Felt, miss me with Kyle Felt. Yes, he'll score tries. He'll keep himself up there, but when he doesn't score tries, it is an absolute shit show with Felt. He does tend to find ways to score tries when you're not expecting him to. I understand that, but I just can't trust him. I just can't do it. Base is 26. That was better than what I was anticipating, to be honest with you. Uh, does score a heap of tries, but when he doesn't, you're looking at a sub-30 score, which I just can't do anymore, realistically. Uh, there was a game there where he didn't score a try, and he scored 101, had 72 innovating stats, which is just not, uh, not possible week in, week out. So I'm going to let someone else dive on the Kyle Felt trap just because I don't trust how the Cowboys are going to go realistically. Bradman Best, left center for the Newcastle Knights, always good, 51 average. I say this guy will always finish somewhere between 50 and 60 based on what we've seen so far. He's also going to miss six to eight weeks, if not more, every season, unfortunately. Happy to be proven wrong by Bradman. Absolutely love him. Had him on the podcast, champion fella. But Supercoach Wise, we've sort of got to go by the history that we've got, that he is a little bit injury prone. Herbie Farnworth, I think he will be in the starting side for the Broncos. I think he'll probably be the left center. Really like this guy, to be honest with you. He's a little bit unorthodox. He doesn't look like a star, but if you watch him closely, he does a lot of really good things. I've always been a fan of Herbie. I think this will be a big Dolphins target. He was thrown up the other day. I think it's worth considering. Base 32, evading stats 12. So pretty good there. Scores an average of five Supercoach points a game scoring there. Uh, so between the base and the evading, you're looking at about 40 points a game there. If you can bank on that every week, you've done pretty well. Looking at his scores here, his low games. Uh, 36-32. He didn't have a single game below 30 all year. In a Broncos team that wasn't going unbelievably well, he finished with an average of 52. He only scored one, two... Three, four, four tries the entire season. He can goal kick as well. Obviously, they got Adam Reynolds, so it's highly likely he will, but he can if need be. Uh, I think he's looking for a decent little uptick this year. I think you'll see him climb to about a 60-point average and a guy that I think people should be looking at for their draft competitions. Defensively solid as well, so I'm not too worried about him getting dropped on any given week. Remus Smith from the Gold Coast uh, from the Gold Coast Titans. Good God, Remus Smith from the Melbourne Storm, fifty-one point three average. I had him last year. Needs to score points to do well. Seems to be cut out on a lot of their plays though as well. So I don't know. Remus is always a good pick. Is always good to have a Melbourne Storm starting player. I'd like to see him on the wing. If he lands on the wing, I think he could quite easily become a sixty-point player. But until then, you're looking at about fifty. You're sort of relying on him to score a try or have a hand in another one to do something special every week but he's in the Melbourne Storm team he will score a try every three weeks on average that's just the reality of the situation if he scores a try 
you're looking at 50 to 70. If he doesn't, you're probably looking at 30. I think his lower scores, I can see 124, 224s. Yeah, so he, he normally won't go under 30, so not bad. And he's got the upside of the Melbourne team. But left side is definitely their strong side for the Melbourne Storm. Tyrell Sloan, CTW slash fullback. Really like this kid. Don't have a heap to go off. His games last year, he looked incredibly good. Played five games, came up with an average of 63, which is pretty damn handy. Scored a few tries in that off Memphis. From memory, though, scored a try every single game, in fact. Scored two in his last game. So, yeah, I mean, the first week, played 80 minutes, scored a try, got 35. Uh, the next week, played 80 minutes, scored a try, got 55. The next week, played 80 minutes, scored a try, got 43. So, yeah, they aren't great numbers, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, the last week, he played 80 minutes. He scored two tries. He also had 35 in base. And he scored 95. So, a good game there, but... Yeah, I don't know. Tyrell Sloan, he's not diving out at me. I probably haven't seen as much of him as other people coming through the juniors as well. I know people are very keen on him. He looks very skinny to me at the moment. I think he's got a few kilos to put on over the next few years. But Sloan, probably not overly interested in him, but the CTW slash fullback is appealing, no doubt about it. A couple of guys here, Mulatalo, Tane Mill, and Braden Burns can all be interesting if they're in the side. Probably the one that stands out for me there is Tane Mill, and if he gets the center spot, he's going to be a guy that you want to you're going to want to be all over. I think he'll do very well. Great base stats there. Uh, hasn't has never quite kicked on, but I've watched Tane for a long time. He can play. He will be successful once he gets it right and once he nails down a proper spot. Katoni Stags, our next one, CTW 433k. Put him straight in your classic sides. And I would try and get him in your draft team. I'm pretty confident I'll get him this year. I went him last year. Didn't quite come back the way I hoped, but he played four games that were all injury-affected, essentially, uh, for 61 average. And there was one game where he went off for 20 minutes to go. I think it was uh, Herbie Farmworth came on, and he scored 50 points in the next five minutes, doing something that Tony Staggs would have done standing on his head. So... Yeah, I think Tony Staggs is a supreme player. If you probably leave him on for that 20 minutes against the Sharks, I think it was, uh, his average probably goes up to 70-odd, to be honest with you. So Staggs, very keen on him. Stephen Crichton, CTW slash fullback, which helps. Reality with Stephen Crichton is that he needs to score a try to get over 55. That is who Stephen Crichton is. I love him. He's a freak, but he needs to try to do well. He'll be playing left center for the Panthers, I assume. If not, he'll be right center. He probably will score a try every second or third week, knowing the Panthers, knowing Stephen Crichton, but I mean, you need him to score more than two tries to go 60-plus. He just took an intercept in a grand final. People are going to be very keen on him. People are going to think there's upside there. I, I just, I think I know who Stephen Crichton is. He's a better footballer than he is super coach player. It's a miss for me. Philip Sami, I uh, really like him up there at the Gold Coast. Seems to fall in and out of favor though, so not too sure. He'll be a 50 center wing if he plays consistently. Connor Tracy, another interesting one. Center wing slash 5'8 with a 48 average last year. If he just stays in the CTWs, he's good, um, but I think people are going to be a little bit keener on him than what they probably should be. I love Connor Tracy, as you all know, but a guy I won't be chasing too hard. Nick Meaney, I can't see him getting the starting team. I think he plays jersey 14. Uh, it's a miss from me. You'll be waiting a long time to see him get a jersey, and there's a couple of other guys there that might beat him anyway. The Hammer, huge upside, but I'm not going for Cowboys players. I'm going to leave him center wing slash fullback, which is appealing. 47 average last year. If you can just put him in a half opportunity at any point, uh, you've got yourself 30 points there, but I just don't trust the Cowboys to do it. You put him in another side, everything turns on its head. Fullback, we're thinking he will play there. Scored pretty well at fullback last year, to be fair. Uh, went 98, 50, 52 and 40 uh, scored 40 in the last game of the season where he only played 9 minutes so you would have to assume that game 
would have probably been at least a 70-point game uh, if he would have played the full 80 instead of the first 10. So I don't know. Maybe if you play him at fullback, there's a little bit more upside there. Am I confident he plays fullback the whole year? No. I'm not confident on anything the Cowboys do, so I'll be leaving him. Jason Saab, 47.3 average last year. I think he's right where he needs to be. You're relying on tries. Manly score a heap of tries. You'll probably be okay. We all know how quick he is now, how damaging he is. So, Saab, I wouldn't hold it against you for picking him, but I'm not going to be going too heavy on him. Wonga Blake, Tom Opachik, probably the same footballers here. Wonga Blake with a little bit more upside. Tom Opachik with a little bit more consistency in his game than Wonga Blake. You're getting 45 to 50 here. They're going to need to score a try to make Make you happy. Dylan Walker is our next guy. Miss me with Dylan Walker. He'll be playing in the 14 jersey. Aaron Scoop, this is a guy I'm a little bit interested in, to be honest with you. CTW uh, for the Canterbury Bulldogs. They're going to improve. If he lands on that left side outside Burton and either Tamita Pangai Jr., or Raymond Fitala Mariner, very keen on him. I think he could have a big year. I've got big raps on this kid. Base stats, pretty good. 34 base stats per week. Some of these games, he's getting 40, 45 base stats. Starts to throw in more tries. Could be anything. Only scored three tries last year from about 12 or 13 games. How many games is it? 13 games. Yeah, three tries from 13 games for a 44 average. Not too bad. Yeah, I think he's got a lot more upside. A lot of that is from base. Gets in a team that knows how to utilize him. Uh, it was against the Warriors where he scored a try and he went for 35 evading stats. Do I think he's going to score 35 evasion stats every week? No, but I think he can put together 14, 15 a week uh, with a try every two or three weeks. So I think he can definitely be a 55 to 60 CTW Aaron Scoop, one that I am keen on. But... Back your gut feel on the Canterbury Bulldogs. Murray Tuolagi, good base that guy. Kurt Mann, don't really know what position he's going to play. Leave me out of Kurt Mann, especially without Princey, without Piercy. Princey, good God, he retired a while ago. Leave me out of Kurt Mann without Mitchell Pierce. Patrick Herbert, good. Not great. Tawala, if he plays left wing for the Newcastle Knights, that definitely helps his cause. One I won't be chasing. Bo Furmore, an interesting one here. If he plays 80 minutes for the Gold Coast Titans, I don't mind it. He actually really impressed me last year. I thought he was going to be a reserve grader for a long time. When he played 80 minutes there, he did really well. Uh, good base stats, 36, 40, 35, 37, 40, 38, 31. When he was playing in the second row, a low-end base stat of 31 is pretty damn impressive. But he can quite often score 40 base stats and come up with a score of 40. I have seen him come up with a few attacking highlights though so another guy back your gut in. I'm not overly sure if the spine gets the very best out of this Titan side though realistically. But any guy that's playing second row in the NRL you can play at CTW definitely hurts. A uh, help, sorry. Alright, three in a row here. Now Nick Kotrick, he's still got the Canterbury symbol next to him. He's of course gone back to the Canberra Raiders. So we've got three Raiders centers in a row. Tomoko, Kotrick, Harley Smith Shields. Love them all. Uh, Harley Smith Shields, he played seven games last year, average 47. He's my favorite out of all these guys. I absolutely love him for value as well. If any of these guys land a starting spot for the Canberra Raiders, they could be guys you look out for classic potentially. Yeah, maybe not, actually. 370K, it's not overly cheap. Sort of those mid-range guys, there probably are better options out there, realistically. But if you notice, I assume Nick Kotrick, he will start in this Raiders team somewhere. If Tomoko or Harley Smith-Shields get a gig in the starting side, I think they become targets for draft. The other one might not be a bad bench guy. He's only one injury away or a Jared Croker retirement, which I wouldn't be shocked if it's too far away. Jackson Paulo for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right wing for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Could play centre next year. If he plays left centre, his stocks absolutely skyrocket. 
Whether he gets that gig or not remains to be seen. It's probably between him and Tane. As I said, if Tane gets that spot, you jump on him. Whichever one of these South Sydney centers get that left edge, you could even look at them for classic as well, realistically. But if he lands on the right wing, I think you get more of the same, probably less than what you got this year, which was only a 42 average. Bailey Simonson, the Parramatta Eels, doesn't really tickle my fancy. CTW slash fullback helps. Doesn't really stand out to me, though. I like Bailey. I think he's a good guy. I've spoken to him a couple of times over Instagram, but he doesn't really, uh, yeah, d- doesn't grab my attention super coach wise Jade Norkenball, Adam Pompey, similar guys. Not sure if they're going to be in their starting teams. If they are, decent without being great. Don't really trust either of them. Moses Sully for the Dragons, an interesting one. If he starts for the St. George of the Wild Dragons, this could be absolutely anything. Is he going to get as many opportunities at the Dragons what he did at... The Manly Seagulls, I mean, like, in-game opportunities. No, he's definitely not. But the couple of games he played for the Manly Seagulls were pretty impressive. The first four games he played, Manly were getting absolutely slapped around. He went 29-30-44-24. Not bad, considering how terrible they were for him to still score 30-44. He came up with 29-28-32 base stats. The fourth game, he only played 56 minutes, to be fair, so... I don't know. If he can get 30 base stats a week, you're flying. Uh, By the end of the season, when he played a couple of games for Manly in the starting side, he did really well. He went 70-74. Yeah, so there's upside in him, but I just, I struggle to trust the Dragons. I don't really trust Moses Sully to stay at the top of his game all year either. Peter Hicker with the Cowboys. Love his base stats. Depends where he plays. Don't really like the Cowboys. This might be the one draft guy I'd sort of bend this rule for. He does just tend to find points, Peter Hicker. I talked about him a lot on the podcast last year when there was a rumor he was coming back from injury. Does have good base stats in him. Has got a bit of creativity. He's not afraid to throw a risky offload, which we like in Supercoach. When he came back last year, I tipped him all off to you guys. Uh, his last five games, what was his average? He went 50. So to get a CTW averaging 50 for the back end of the season, not bad. Average 29 base when he was playing center. He went 31, 29, 42, 31, 27 in base. So if he's your full CTW, I think you've done all right there, but probably scores less points. I mean, in saying that, he didn't score a heap of points at the uh, New Zealand Warriors, realistically. Only scored one try in that game. He got a 91. The other ones, he didn't really have any attacking stats. And he still averaged 50. So might be a little bit of upside there, but I'm not overly keen on him realistically. Let's have a look. Who have we got else on this list? Nia Corey. Yeah, if he plays 2RF and he's in the CTW, is not bad. Tommy Talao, not huge. Xavier Coates, really interesting one. Finished last year with a 40-point average. He does need to score tries to do well, but let's be honest here, in the Melbourne Storm system, no shock, he is going to score tries. Same as Josh Adokar, very similar. Uh, the last few rounds of the season, I mean, he scored two tries in round 23. He scored 65, one try in round 24. He scored 40, so... You know, this is the sort of guy you're getting realistically. He can go sub-20 if he doesn't score points, but you would have to think at the Melbourne Storm on Cam Munster's side outside Olam, he's going to have plenty of opportunities. So I think he goes up. I think he'll be an interesting one for Classic. If he scores a couple of tries and whatnot, he will definitely make some money there. Not a bad guy for draft either. He's just relying on tries. Brad Parker, decent little solid pick, a low-end guy. Charlie Staines, no thank you. Michael Cheekham, no thank you. Corey Oates, this is an interesting one. Average 39 last year, really looked like a busted, looked terrible. In the images that I'm seeing from Broncos training, it looks like he's a really good shot to land on the left wing. I think he's given up the dream of playing uh, as a second rower. And we have a look at, you know, last year he was he got 39 average. The year before that, 28. But before that, he was a straight 50 uh, CTW with Anthony Milford setting him up for tries. Obviously, doesn't have Milf there anymore. Doesn't really have a player like Milf either. But 
I don't know. If Brisbane turn out to be decent, he could, it could be a, a decent little option. He'll have Herbie Farmworth inside him who will set him up for heap. He's got a really handy offload. So might be a little value pick, Corey Oates. Branko Lee, I don't think he'll be in the starting team to begin with realistically. I think he's probably an injury or two away from making it in. Same as Sebastian Chris. Same as Brent Naden. He might start for Canterbury. Uh, he actually goes all right, Brent Naden, to be fair. Uh, where he plays, I don't know. They've got center wings coming out of their ass at Canterbury. So I'm not sure if he does make the team straight away. But uh, 23 base stats. But he played a couple of games for not a heap of minutes. So he played one game for not a heap of minutes. So, yeah, look, his base stats aren't great, to be fair. 20 to 30. Uh, not really blowing it away. 32, 31, 21, 23, 20. So more so closer to 20 than 30 there. Not a guy I'm going to go heavily after. Not a guy I'm confident he holds on to his spot all year. Just going through the rest of this list, if there's anyone that stands out for me, Tommy Eisenhuth, don't think he has a spot. Jesse Arthurs, probably doubt he has a spot. Isan Masters, not convinced. Rocco Berry, if he lands at right centre for the New Zealand Warriors, you've got my attention there, but he probably has to land in that spot. Jared Croker, what a fall from grace. Jesus Christ. Uh, There will be people that will take a punt on Jared Croker getting back to full form. I can't see it. Would be so happy, so happy to be wrong and for him to burst back and do what he does, but I'm just not convinced. Selwyn Cobbo, fullback slash center wing. I think he will play on the right wing for the Brisbane Broncos outside of Katoni Staggs. Uh, 320K. He has to be in every single classic team in existence for me. Uh, he's got the dual position as well. I think he could average 60 points next year outside of Katoni Staggs. If you compare the two of them up, you are absolutely flying. I think the only way that Cobbo drops out of this team is if he ends up at fullback realistically, which would probably be better for you. So I think he's a big chase this year. Kevin Naguama at the Sydney Roosters coming at 306k. If he looks to get a starting spot, I think for classic and for draft, he will be a get-on to keep an eye on him. Marion Seve, Lume Lume. Billy Smith for the Sydney Roosters. If he lands left center, 294k, he will be a must-have for classic and for draft. You will definitely want a slice of him. Same as Hayes Dunster. Big fan of him. Isaac Tate a couple of young guys here that are worth watching that'll be good value. Isaac Tago is 2RF slash CTW. If he's not in the starting team at the start of the year, I promise you he will be by the back end of the year. Amone, we already spoke about him in the 5'8". He's available at center wing. Dragons, 5'8". I think he's got a heap of ability. Oliver Gildart, 280k, maybe. I don't know. I think I'll sit and watch Gildart as far as classic goes. I don't know if he's in that starting team. I assume he'd be left center, but we'll just wait and see how that one goes. Draft, I'm probably not going to take a big punt on him. Um, yeah, I'm just not overly convinced by his size. In saying that, said the same thing about Johnny Bateman when he first arrived. Uh, thank God I drafted him anyway and ignored everything my head was saying. He turned out to be a weapon. So, But Gildart being a center wing, I'm not as convinced. Jordan Pierre is one to keep an eye on at the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, if he manages to get a spot in this starting side on one of the wings, he'll be an absolute gun. Uh, great base stats, great finisher, criminally underutilized at the Dragons. Cody Ramsey, Max guy. Eh, I don't know. They, I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Dragon side. Two inexperienced guys who I just... I'd probably rather Max guy over Cody Ramsey. Ramsey, he just needs to score tries to do well, and I don't trust him enough. Joseph Suwali, fullback slash center wing. Once again, a good guy to keep on your bench. 
for when he does start. If it's not round one, it won't be too far away. Will Penasini, absolutely love him. I think Penasini and I think Suwali both coming in at about 250k. I think they need to be in most classic teams. Penasini will definitely start. Suwali will have to wait and see. But if he doesn't at the start, he will be there at some point. Taylor May, another one for the Penrith Panthers I really like. Obviously, Tyrone May has left the club now. I'm not sure the mindset of Taylor May or whatever, but I've seen him play. He definitely can play. He played one game last year for 48 average, so keep an eye on him. George Tafua, can't see him coming back in. Dijon Arce, nope. Robert Jennings, no. Paul Turner, no. Cossie Cartwright, Moga. Uh, Valia is one guy that I like from the New Zealand Warriors. Keep an eye on him. A little bit raw. I think he's one uh, to watch over the next few years. William Warbrick. A lot of people are talking about this guy from the Melbourne Storm. He's come over from uh, Super Rugby or from Sevens or Rugby Union of some description or kind. Uh, I think it'll take him a while to find his feet, to be honest with you. So not really on my radar. Albert Hopawade, a name that keeps popping up every year. Who else have we got? Ben Trevojevic. Now, Ben Trevojevic is going to be an interesting one. Center wing slash second row forward. Do I think he can be a starting center at Manly next year? No, I don't. Do I think he can be a 2RF at Manly next year? No, I don't. Uh, do I think he could potentially land on a spot on the bench for a few games next year? Yes, I do. But I think it'll be an AE headache for you. I think let someone else take Ben Trevojevic. I think they'll be a little bit disappointed this year. In the future, though, could be anything. Paul Alamonte, our man that we've been talking about for a while now. I don't think 2022 will be the season. I think probably 2023 will be the season for Alamonte. You might see him for one or two games this year, depending on what happens at Canterbury. But as I said, they got center wings coming out of their ass, and I don't think Phil Gould will be overly keen to uh, brain this kid overly early. Who else have we got here on this list? Bailey Hodgson, Newcastle Knights, apparently very good. Fullback center wing. I haven't seen him play myself. I haven't seen much of him anyway. Uh, who else have we got? Just going through these names, guys. Probably not much value here. Isaiah Tass is at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He's just center wing. One to keep an eye on, but I don't think he'll be overly relevant. And that is all of our center wings, guys. So that was a very, very long innings there. Just giving my live reaction to all of those guys. Almost an hour. Hope you enjoyed it there. We will dive into the fullbacks over the next few days.